Yeah, and I also think there's a democratization of um, skill sets that um, allow people to be dangerous even as novices, right? So, um, you know, I think one of the most important things in any business or product is really good design thinking. I think that's really important for people to think through how things are going to work, either for their user as an interface or how they feel about the logo or, or right down to, um, you know, how many steps in a process. I think that's really important. So I'd never say that, you know, anybody can design, but I would say that, um, you know, if you go to producthunt.com, you know, every day you can definitely find resources that are like free templates for PowerPoint made by real designers that are going to make you look better as a presenter than you've ever looked before. Right. There's no code application development tools where I could go build a forum in a few days without having to do anything. I can buy a theme and, you know, watch a couple YouTube videos and launch an app and Thank you so much for joining us for another episode. We've got a great one in store for you. In case you happen to miss the last episode, here's a quick snippet, and then we will get on to the show. You know, there's one client where we raised the price 86%. And so they said, you know, they gulped. They had, there was a big silent moment in the room. They gulped and said, our customers won't pay. I said, well, maybe some won't, but some will. So we just got to figure out who that is. Um, and so we went through the process of identifying their, their target audience. And be, with that price increase, though, it reduced the amount of volume they had to sell by 70% because now they have more margin, right? So now we don't have to work night and day to sell 1,000 units. Now we only have to sell 300 units to actually make a profit. When I was a little kid, I would memorize commercials. And I just kind of always... Uh, I don't know why I thought they were entertaining. I liked the short nature of them. I was probably, you know, I have a little bit of an attention deficit disorder. So I probably was more into those little snappy, uh, you know, scenes than I was entire shows. And, um, you know, as I grew older, it's something I kind of wanted to do. I didn't really realize that people wrote commercials, like you were a writer and that's what it was. Um, it didn't strike me as being a writer. Um, Pardon me. Um, so that was interesting. And that's something I really learned in, in college that, uh, you know, it came down to writing these commercials. And, um, you know, by the time I hit college, those things had changed too, right? Uh, I still, I got an internship at a really great um, agency called Wong Duty in Seattle. It's got a great name. Um, and I learned a lot of vital skills and uh, about advertising in general. But, um, you know, uh, going beyond that, uh, you know, I, I never realized how different it would be working in it now than how I kind of thought about it as a kid. 
can you can you break that down a little bit more in terms of how you how you thought of that as as a kid maybe how you mentioned that writing commercials you learn more about how to write the commercial so what went into it then how has it changed mm-hmm. and what are some of the things you learned while you were uh, you know you mentioned some of the skills you learned in advertising can yeah. you tell us more about the progression of that and and break it down a little more yeah so I think what I learned was I always had good ideas, like marketing ideas. I could come up with names, funny sayings. You know, I could, I could kind of design little stuff. But um, when I got into college and I realized it was about writing, I kind of actually, towards the end of college, and as I was, you know, I, I excelled in college. I did very well um, academically and extracurriculars and all those things. And, and you know, I, I was coming out of college very confused because, I wasn't a good copywriter. I was a good writer, but you know, being a good copywriter involves writing dialogue and knowing how to like take a, a, a user through a story. And there's, there's a lot of people out there that are so very talented at doing that. And, you know, everybody can do it to an extent. We can brand ourselves and we can, we can learn things like from this podcast and, and blogs and, and, you know, just being open to how to brand yourself. I think we can all do that to some extent. Um, but to, you know, to write something like a television commercial, that's actually amazing. Um, you know, it takes a lot of talent. And I think I realized that, um, I was more about, uh, a broader idea and understanding how all the pieces had to work together. And then I started to realize that that was strategy. And then once I kind of got good at strategy and putting all the pieces together, I was like, okay, um, I want to sell, you know, these ideas. And so, you know, that kind of naturally led into business development. And, you know, a a lot of what I was good at was working with the clients, but also um, laying out ideas in a way that people could easily understand them um, and buy them, basically. Um, And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of that was knowing that it's very subjective, what is good and what is bad. Uh, the only objective things that we can really rely on is data that tells people, you know, tells you that somebody bought something anymore or somebody watched something from beginning to end, or, you know, even some of those metrics are a bit murky, but um, if I can understand the idea and then I can go, you know, tell that to my boss, like we all, we all win. Right. So uh, even the stuff that I like to do personally, it's, it's also kind of how I approach, I guess, my professional life in terms of like, uh, all my clients have a boss that they need to please and they want to excel. And so um, understanding the idea and being on the same page and knowing how much it's going to cost to produce an idea, those are all important things that I kind of got naturally really involved in because I was better at them than I was at the other thing. And, you know, I, I, I've kind of realized now that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean I can't be creative it just means that, you know, I'm good at those other things too, right? And that those are things that other people can rely on me more uh, in a workforce. And I can sit down with a writer or an art director and we can all have an idea, but I'm going to trust them to do their part to bring it to life. In terms of the, the people that would be thinking through this, so if we have, I guess, entrepreneurs that are, are looking at growing, they're going to get into storytelling. So there's one aspect, which is creating the story. So the other aspect would be more the, I guess, the, the business side of the creative. And so I guess, yeah, we definitely want to hear more about the process of then taking that idea and 
and selling it. So yeah, tell us tell us more about it. Yeah, I think if I think if you're really creatively talented, like you can make music or you're an artist, then the simplest way to sell your stuff is to keep making and you know share it and 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 be out there. And that's the the simplest way to sell it. Now, if you want to make a business that sells a product, I think you know you just need to think of what is the simplest step that you need to do to make somebody interested in that product. So, I mean, whether it's drop shipping and using Instagram ads like people are doing today, um, or you know, doing something a little bit more uh, rooted in your actual skill set, like maybe you write a little ebook or something like that. Um, I think it's about you know very clearly uh, rationalizing what that product or service is going to do for the person and how it's going to make them a better person, right? So in the case of you know what I was selling, which was creative ideas and strategy for marketing to clients like Unilever or eBay or uh, you know uh, different airlines and a um, lot of brands uh, in the, the CPG uh, category and food in particular. I mean, it was how is this idea going to move the needle and make you sell more product and how, and, and even being this crazy idea, this really, out, you know, wild idea, how is that going to make more of these people buy that stuff? And then how do I break it down from a business perspective and say, you know, uh, this is how it's going to lift those numbers over there. Uh, and, and you know, why not only is this creatively great, but it actually meets your strategy and your goals. Yeah. So this, okay. I think this is the good tie in and this is where we can maybe give a lot of value for for business owners and entrepreneurs. So what I'm hearing here is for example, I was thinking of, uh, as you were speaking, I was thinking of maybe somebody that manages a record label and somebody that manages artists and you mm -hmm. have the artists, they're going to produce the music. Uh, but then you have the people that are selling the music, selling the venues, selling all these things. And they're, uh, leveraging the asset of the, the content to then produce the business and in the same way maybe this is is similar and so i think here that if you've got business owners that are realizing now that they need to create content on these different platforms they're trying to determine what is the roi of it how do right. you quantify how do you determine if somebody is is pitching them so whether somebody that's listening or uh watching is either pitching content creation, then they want to probably be able to present better to the business owner. And if the business owner is thinking, wow, I need to brand myself better in this area to be more relevant, I need to know how to quantify what I'm spending. So probably walking through what some of those metrics are, how you'd go about pitching it for that, for the person that's pitching it to them, but for the business owner too, how then they can actually quantify it. Yeah. And I'll, I, I'll bring this down to like a super granular level too. So a lot of what I've talked about is the fact that, you know, when I worked in the agency world, my clients were, were really big brands that I'd have to pursue and try to sell really big ideas that were worth, you know, millions of dollars to agencies or hundreds of thousands of dollars or on the low end, maybe tens of thousands of dollars for projects, but, you know, not, not unsubstantial work with a lot of infrastructure and procurement departments and things that exist in that business. So bringing it down to a more realistic level. Um, uh, one other thing that I, you know, I do is, and I've been fortunate to do in New York is buy property, right? So I live in, uh, you know, instead of buying a nice one bedroom in Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn Heights, I moved to a, you know, uh, a less 
uh, shiny part of Brooklyn and I was able to buy a two family home. I'm able to rent that and I live in uh, uh, my unit uh, below it, right? So I'm, I'm able to basically break even on, on my mortgage and save a lot of money. So as a result of that, one of the things I did is I bought a small cabin upstate and it was something that I always wanted to do. And, and um, you know, our, our goal was to go up there a couple times a week or sorry, a couple times a month and, uh, and uh, effectively uh, market it um, and uh, on Airbnb and, and try to get renters. And so what we did is we created uh, the tiny Catskill cabin. It's a small cabin uh, up in uh, the base of the Catskills near the Schwagunk mountain range. And, um, you know, we were doing pretty good. People go up to that area to hike. They want to get out of New York. So our Airbnb was doing pretty good. Um, and one of the things I did, I was like, you know, I was thinking about what I would do for a client and I, I started it, an Instagram account. I uploaded some really nice pictures that my wife had taken for the Airbnb. I pulled out my drone. I take, took some good videos of it. Um, and I put them on online. Um, you know, I probably, I, you know, I started following people that went upstate to these different places like Minnewaska State Park. And I figured out who are the people that are leaving New York and going uh, upstate for these things that are around this cabin that I have. And if you follow at Tiny Catskill Cabin on Instagram, you'll see it's a very unique little cabin. It's a nice little asset that I have. Um, and, and so I got about 300 followers and then all of a sudden a guy with about 6,000 followers was like, Hey, your cabin's cool. I'm building my portfolio. Uh, would you, you know, could we maybe do an exchange where I could stay for a night and I'll give you some photos. And I said, sure. And he did that. And, you know, I'll tell you what, within a week or two, I probably had another thousand followers on Instagram. And then I did that with another influencer. And then I did that with another influencer where really I was just creating a really simple value exchange. They were creating the content for me in exchange for access to my asset. Cause it's also interesting for them, you know, to, to take photos. It's a, it's a unique place. And, um, you know, you know, out of nothing, I've built an Instagram following of, you know, over 30, 3,250 probably. And, uh, you know, I've had people come from England. I've had people drive from Kansas. I've had people come from Texas and Pennsylvania and Canada to stay in my cabin. And it's, you know, all, all it comes down to is like, I had this little business and there were some things that I, you know, that um, it's really about just building that presence and creating that content. And, um, you know, it's a 400 square foot cabin, but we generate about $3,000 a month in revenue. So the maintenance is low for the, you know, the asset, but it all came down to creating that content and allowing people to discover us and telling a little story about the cabin. And, uh, yeah. No, that, I think that's a, that's a real illustrative story. And I almost think that by sharing that story, uh, to, to somebody, you would be able to, to paint the, paint the picture of why it makes sense to create content, leverage, think strategically about who you're getting in front of. And I guess that, that would tie into how you would, um, you would, you would communicate, say with another business owner to really walk them through again, how you could help them with different types of marketing strategies or different advertising approaches. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the first time I did it, um, something like this as an adult, my, um, my parents, uh, 
have a store in Oregon. I'm from the Pacific Northwest originally. And um, they had a chance to, you know, kind of create their own white label coffee. You know, coffee is very much a commodity. There's, there is good coffee and bad coffee, but it often comes down to the roasting. And, you know, one of the things that we created um, to sell in their store was a, a brand called Oregon Coast Coffee. The name was available. We created a very cool brand because I was able to get a designer friend uh, to make some cool packaging. I was able to build a website for under $500. And all of a sudden we were in business and people were buying it in their store. People were buying it online. You know, it wasn't enough for me to make, um, you know, enough to pay the mortgage or anything like that. Um, but it, it did well in my parents' store. And one of the things that's interesting about it is, you know, it was a brand that didn't exist ever before and within a first month like it had the presence of a business you know and i think that's a big part of when you're trying to be an entrepreneur and you are um starting out it's important to make sure that you know you get some advice on how to you know present yourself well if you're uh, the smallest business owner in a small community but you look like you had somebody really you know, great put together, you know, some of your assets. And it's, even if it's the simplest website and it, with a really sharp logo, you're going to look better than the other guy. <laughs> um, and, and it's very simple today with platforms like uh, vidmob.com or, or um, 99 designs or, or um, you know, Tongle, which is a bit for bigger projects, but there's so many, um, independent content creators out there too that you can find like the photographers from my cabin where you know you don't you don't need to have an agency you don't have to be a huge brand to kind of tap into the talent that exists right I think a lot of people think that they got to get really good at iPhone photography and it's like yeah you, sh you should it's cool it's great I have an Osmo I have a drone I have this mic for doing audio stuff um but you don't have to. And part of it is part of it is just, you know, you know, going back to my very first comments, there's a lot of very creatively talented people out there. And, and um, uh, just as important as making content yourself, collaborating with people to make content, right? Like if you were just talking in all your videos and you didn't have, you know, communicate with other people and do those parts in your podcast, your podcast might lack something, right? But, you know, you know, you collaborate with people to, to help you make great content. Uh, it, it's interesting. It seems like right now there's such an abundance of creative content that we can more easily create. And I almost Everyone. think that for me, I come from a sales background and I know that it's really whatever the product is, if you're presenting it a certain way to the right person, you'll find a buyer. And in this case, it seems like the revolution that's happening is this ability to communicate at a scale that's never been done, this content that we can create, so this way that we can become more visible, develop this credibility, and really strategically get in front of people like we've never been able to. And that uh, there's, a, there's so much content and so many different platforms to share it on to get in front of the right people. Yeah, and I also think there's a democratization of um, – skill sets that um, allow people to be dangerous even as novices, right? So, um, you know, I think one of the most important things in any business or product is really good 
design thinking. I think that's really important for people to think through how things are going to work, either for their user as an interface or how they feel about the logo or, or right down to, um, you know, how many steps in a process. I think that's really important. So I'd never say that, you know, anybody can design, but I would say that, um, you know, if you go to producthunt.com, you know, every day you can definitely find resources that are like free templates for PowerPoint made by real designers that are gonna make you look better as a presenter than you've ever looked before, right? There's no code application development tools where I could go build a forum in a few days without having to do anything. I can buy a theme and, you know, watch a couple YouTube videos and launch an app. And will it be good and scalable? I can't, you know, I can't promise that it'll be good, but will it be scalable? Yeah, to the extent that you're willing to pay for it. And, and it's only as good as the content you put in it, but to actually build the vessels, if you lack creative or, or development talent, it's still possible. Or, you know, if you're like me, I'm a, I'm a really curious guy and I'm pretty creative, but I really don't have any dev talent at all, but I can build a website, no problem, because it's just like, you know, I found a way to do it because I needed to do it. And, um, you know, that's a, that's a important quality that, you know, entrepreneurs also have to have is like, and you know, this doesn't really exist sometimes in the corporate world is um, you have to never want to stop learning because if you do, um, you know, if it's really a, something's a waste of your time or it's not the best use of your time, then you got to be willing to pay for it. Um, if you're out of options and you need to, or, or um, it's something you want to be hands on with, there's, you know, anybody can do anything for their business from, from building an app to, to setting up Google AdWords, to doing Facebook ads. If, you know, you just have to determine if it's worth your time. But if you, if you stay curious and never, um, you know, feel like it's, it's beyond you to start learning something, um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's possible for just about anyone. I mean, I've, you know, it, you know, and it, I, I, I've learned that, uh, you know, I probably take a little bit of that for granted because at this point I can do it a lot faster than I used to be able to, but it's still, you know, I'm still a novice or at least, you know, uh, medium or mediocre at some of these things, but I can, I can get them done or I can surround myself with the network that can help me make them. Maybe that's a good uh, transition in terms of the network. So you mentioned, you know, collaboration is being key. And it, when we think about the, the networking piece, uh, so what would you say, how, why would you say that that's so important and what are the important parts that you've you know, seen that uh, networking and collaborating comes into play with as you're trying to, trying to grow? Yeah, you know, I, I feel like um, one of the best things of my career is the opportunity that I've had to meet so many interesting and talented people. And I just think it's amazing. Like when your friend is uh, incredible at guitar or, you know, a friend that can, you know, code or a friend that can, um, you know, it's just a really amazing designer or a writer or, um, you know, I, there's something about that that is really 
attractive and I feel like most people are really good at something or they try to be, um, or they don't, you know, and, and they, you know, there's, there's people that, you know, they'll never really want to be networkers. Right. But, um, networking is great because you can meet really interesting people and there are so many people doing things and I would never underestimate how it'll make you feel if you can just help one of those people, right? If you know one thing that they don't know about and you can give them 10 minutes of your time or 15 minutes of your time and help them solve a problem, I guarantee you somewhere down the line, that person's going to be a potential client at another company or they're going to be, um, you know, just somebody who goes up the ranks in that company. And that advice might've been the thing that really helped them solve a problem. And, um, you don't know. I mean, for me at the time, it feels good because they want to listen, right? Everybody wants to hear that their ideas sound good, right? Like that's, that's, that's part of it is, you know, it feels good to feel like you're helping people, but when it actually happens, the, you know, the, the outcome is like a network effect, right? If I've been doing this for 13, 14 years now, you know, going to professional events to some degree, um, um, you know, working in agencies that are big and with, with some brands that allowed me to meet like high profile marketing people. Right. Um, you know, that's, that's part of it for me, but I also think about, you know, the interesting, uh, all of the other interesting people that, you know, I don't even care about from a work perspective, you know, through networking and how they're growing. And so I just feel like, you know, it's, it's genuinely about meeting interesting people and having conversations and taking pleasure in the fact that, you know, everybody's trying to do something. Everybody at these types of events is there to try to get something done. Um, you know, some of them might be full of it, but a lot of them are trying really hard and, you know, uh, uh, it'll come back around. I think it always will. And I, I think that it's not just about these events. It's also in the workplace. Like, get to know your coworkers, understand where they come from. Um, what do they do on the weekends? You know, like remember the little things about people because you might see like, this happens to me a lot and this is maybe a weird thing with my mind, but I'll, I won't talk to somebody for two years and then I'll see something or hear something and I'll fire off an email to that person because it reminded me of them. I said, this might be helpful. You know, people it's, it, you know, they don't expect that kind of stuff and, and you know that they appreciate it. Um, so, you know, I feel like, uh, I feel like I, I'm not going to say it's karma because, you know, I think it's much more than that. I think it's basically the more you build people up around you, they're going to take you with them. Right. And they're going to, they're going to see you as somebody who helped them build themselves. Right. And, and that's, that's really important. And you know, it goes back to the very first thing I said, when I, when I would sell my clients on an idea, it's because I believed in the idea and the strategy behind it and that it was going to make them look good in front of their boss. Right. So they'll be the next CMO of that company or the next senior director of marketing or director of marketing or, you know, um, you know, as much as they're able to put into it. Um, it doesn't always go that way, but <laughs> Sure. Well, <clears throat> I'd be interested to hear. So right now I know that you're doing some interesting, interesting things. And so in terms of for even your, the networking to the brands, 
<clears throat> can you can you tell us maybe some uh, maybe a specific experience that stands out that uh, you know with the networking that you did that it really helped you to get to where you are or that was really instructive is there is there maybe one example that that comes to mind that was maybe mind-blowing or super interesting for you yeah I'm trying to think because um, I uh, I'm probably gonna steal this quote from my friend um, my friend Steve Kesselman says this a lot in that uh, networking is not uh, a network is not something you have. It's something you do. I started my first job, you know, I really, it was the, you know, I applied um, and I did the same thing that everybody does to get their first job. Um, when I got my second job at Wong duty, um, that was the result of me going and talking to a mentor there and him saying, well, if he's not happy at this other place, let's bring him here. He's passionate. He can write, he can make the little website. You know, he, he just, he saw that I, you know, had a varied skill set. Um, that resulted in me getting promoted to LA, um, going to South by Southwest inspired me to write a blog after I went for the first time. And I was like, okay, I should, I should do this, you know, and I don't do it anymore because it's very time consuming everyone. Um, but that got me discovered by another company that I got hired at. And I was there for about a year um, doing a lot of music videos and other cool, like very high profile um, entertainment stuff, which was pretty fun, but very, you know, also exhausting because entertainment's exhausting. Um, I went to lunch with a friend and uh, 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 a man named Jim Smith, who's, who's a, you know, an, an ad man from, uh, a long time ago, but also just, you know, a, a great business mind still to this day. And, um, you know, he was telling me, uh, I told him I wanted to move to New York and he was telling me that his friend, you know, Colin Kinsella at Digitas, the CEO at the time, well, he didn't tell me this. He said he had some friends at Digitas that were looking for, um, you know, talent like me. And so he said, if I gave him a resume, he'd pass along. So he did. I didn't realize that his friend was the CEO it was Colin. Um, and that kind of made it through the rounds. And then uh, I went to South by Southwest that summer or that March and I interviewed with Digitas at South by Southwest <laughs> and that got me the job. I moved to New York and you know, the same kind of thing happened. I would meet people. I would um, identify if it were the right opportunity for me and it's kind of evolved from there. And you know, you know, with the exception of, uh, of one or two moves in my career, um, you know, it's been uh, a result of networking and, you know, people finding me um, and us having a good connection before it really ever becomes a job. So I know that can't happen for everyone, but I think that networking does that. You don't, you know, it's, it's something you do. It's not something you have, you know, a network isn't a, a resource. It's something that you got to keep alive and, and, and give back to, um, and, you know, and, and try to help other people because it all comes back around and, and, um, you know, people will remember that. I like that. I think uh, that I can attest to that from my own experience too. And, Yes. Yeah, so the idea with the networking is an active thing that you're doing. It's almost like working out. You, you go and you do certain things. So this is about connecting with people, finding a way what that 
what that uh, organic connection is with them, what you like about them, what you can appreciate about them and finding out a way to just maybe do one thing that can help them, whatever it is. And that's networking. And it's easier than ever. Like if you're friends on uh, Facebook, uh, Instagram or LinkedIn, you know, if you're, or Twitter, right. Of those four things, I would say most people in business are on at least one of them. You can see what people are doing, you know, when their birthday is, you know, when, you know, and I'm not saying say happy birthday to everyone that might be, you know, overkill, but I do think, um, when you know that there's an opportunity and you happen to read an article that they should read, you know, we, we live in these different spheres these days. You don't know if they saw that article, if it really helped them send it along, you know? So, so this is, we just defined the ROI of social media to anybody, any business owner, or anybody that is business minded, has money on their mind, why they need to be on social media, why they need to be on Facebook, why they need to be on LinkedIn, why they need to be uh, on Instagram. It is to network and you can network so much more easily than you could ever have done before because you see what everybody is doing, you can easily communicate and you don't have to spend the same amount of money or time to go out and do so many things. You can network virtually in a legitimate way and that's where the ROI is and it doesn't necessarily, like for you, it resulted in many opportunities from just building and networking and now people can do that online. So yeah. it's not about, yeah. I mean, it keeps the pilot light lit, right? Like the thing about, the social networks is that they, you know, there is an awareness. Like I haven't seen people from high school for over a decade, you know, but I know what some of them are up to because I know what they're going through on social media. And it's the same thing with clients, right? Where it's, you know, I don't, or, or old clients or, or, you know, maybe old partners. It's, it's, you know, you have the ability to know if they need something. Or, yes. or to be able to say, hey, I think this would help them and because I know what they're doing with their lives. So this just blew my mind. We, I, we definitely, I want to uh, hear a little more and share a little more about Bubble Up as well and what you're doing you know, yeah. with, with them. Uh, but the light bulb that just went off for me was this, the big brands and the way that things were advertised before. So before people used to advertise the mass market and just get uh, you know, their their brand, their, their image out in front of a lot of people and they had a captive audience. So what's different, what's different now is that, so basically they would go and put their information out and it's a way, uh, they had points of sale, might be a store someplace that somebody ultimately had to go to to purchase. And uh, they're not always pitching somebody, but they had to create a brand image or something that went out to a lot of people where they could see it. And if they just constantly were in the in the front sight of people, they would be top of mind when they think of buying a burger or buying whatever it is, and that they go to the point of sale. So now, because of these social networks, if we brand ourselves, if as a business owner, if you create content, you don't necessarily have to be asking somebody to buy from you all the time. But if you're constantly in front of them and they know that that you do what you do, it's like breadcrumbs, and you're always top of mind. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I think that it, you know, it kind of varies on platform to platform, right? So, you know, doing something on Facebook, you're probably going to anticipate that you'll put some money behind it because it's so big and ubiquitous and reaches hard to come by. Right. And, and uh, money talks, right. In Twitter, it's a lot easier to maybe dive into a very specific community or on, on Instagram as well. Very, 
you know, which it'll get harder. All of them kind of get harder because they have to survive as businesses too, right? And part of that is suppressing reach. It's the same thing with Google search. It's, it's their business model. They, they allow people to buy important space, right? Um, but uh, in general, I think that there are platforms that work particularly well. You know, we were talking about Gary Vee uh, on, on LinkedIn. You know, no matter what you feel, uh, uh, you know, no matter what your feelings are towards Gary Vee, there's no doubt that that guy is owning it on LinkedIn. And it's because he creates content and he knows because it works for him. For my little cabin, it's Instagram. I kill it on Instagram, right? Uh, and like for a tiny little cabin, it's ridiculous, right? Which is, it's awesome. And it's been really satisfying actually. Um, you know, it's, it's about finding the right platform for you. You know, if you're a restaurant, get on Instagram, start taking pictures of your food, take pictures of your, your cocktails, you know, get somebody in there with a photographer, get some people to write some reviews and make that content for you. Don't, you don't have to spend a lot of money, do what you do as a business and, and trade that as, as currency to, to build some hype. Um, you know, and, and yeah, and, and, and remain in the consciousness. Um, and, and it'll be harder on certain platforms to remain in that consciousness, but you know, and that's, that's, you know, that's what big companies start to have problems with. Right. So like if you're selling deodorant, like you're going to rely really heavy on ads, right? Because it's, you know, unless you're like a natural thing and you have a community around what you're doing, you're just another deodorant. But for small businesses in particular that offer something very specialized, you don't necessarily even need a community more than a thousand people, 500 people. Um, you know, if you live in a town and you have a plowing business or something like that, you might only need to appeal to like 40 people or 20 people. And so, um, yeah, they, they allow you to know what people's need, you know, social channels really give you the ability to understand what people's needs are and create content that positions you as a, a, a satisfier of those needs. Like somebody who actually resolves those problems and then you can take the steps required to make sure that that message reaches them. I think Airbnb is the best example. Airbnb and Instagram, you know, as a, as a one-two punch for people that are in real estate, like it's a killer way to do it. If you, if you have the right space and you can nail the tone in Instagram, I mean, that's been a killer thing for me, but you know, for, for you and your background in finance, like LinkedIn is your spot. It's why you're there. You know, your background, um, Errol is, is, um, ideal for LinkedIn. So. Very good. Absolutely. So, uh, let's, let's do this. We will, let's talk a little more. Just, we'll kind of round it out. So bubble up, tell us more about what you're doing with bubble up what bubble up is yep. uh, and sort of what the next steps are for you. So uh, bubble up is the cloud reimagined. Uh, that's the tagline. That's what we call it, but really it's a better place to save any kind of content. So, um, you know, cloud storage uh, historically has been a place where we put all of our files. Maybe some of them we have, you know, uh, that we actively use, but a lot of them are kind of like the equivalent of our legal boxes that just get stuck in the corner and we're just kind of, paying to keep them there, like our taxes, um, you know, then you have, you know, what I would say are, you know, kind of interesting bookmarking services, um, ways to kind of keep links that you like. Um, Bubble up is one place for all of your stuff. It allows you to save files and links in the same place by topic and not content type. Um, so 
So I have a Google Doc, three images, a PDF, a video, and 10 links. No worries, right? Uh, I can save all of those in the same folder, um, you know, because it's all related to my trip to Brazil, or it's all related to this meal that I'm going to be cooking, or this event that we're going to be doing. Um, I don't have to worry about putting my files here or my uh, links there or, um, you know, putting it all in a notepad and trying to remember where everything is. So uh, in short, uh, that is, you know, uh, it's really a place where you can visually organize content. Um, but there's other features as well um, that make it really fun. So if you are researching a topic, um, say it's a trip to Brazil, um, and you start saving links about your trip to Brazil from Lonely Planet or, you know, one of these other great resources, you're going to see other great content bubble up and, you know, work almost like a research assistant to help you find other great information. You don't have to use that feature, but it's one of the, you know, it's an amazing feature for people who are doing research. Um, another concept and feature that we have is called a role. And so what a role is, uh, is basically you can take any folder of content with all of those different content types and with a couple clicks, you can turn it into an instant website that you can share anywhere. So, you know, say you're making a folder of um, information for your clients um, and you want to send it to them in something that looks really nice and not like a folder, uh, you can turn it into a role, customize it with a few clicks and send it to them and make sure it looks really pretty. So it doesn't just look like a bunch of links uh, in an email and a bunch of PDFs. You can send them something that's a little bit cleaner, slicker, looks like you spent some time on it. So um, very feature rich app, um, but uh, you know, exciting. Yeah, absolutely. I've checked it out and it's, it's definitely a, a real cool way to be able to organize information and put everything together. So definitely really cool. And where, where is the, where is it right now in, in sort of production or distribution and yeah. what does that look like at the moment? Yeah. So bubble up is currently in private beta. Um, but we're, we're kind of opening up the gates, uh, rather quickly. So, um, we have a public website. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Um, we're doing a lot of Instagram content right now and, and actually introducing a lot of, um, great early users of bubble up who made uh, very cool roles for us, but also, um, sharing a lot more information about how people are using the visual organization features. So that's something that we have, um, you know, uh, uh, very much open to the public and showing them how to use bubble up and anybody can join our wait list. We're letting in new people off the wait list every day and, and, uh, um, you know, ultimately want to build a good base and get a little bit more feedback before we go into the app store. So, um, you know, obviously in the background, all of those other things are happening as well, um, to get ready for things like being in the app store. There's a lot of administrative, um, features that you want to have on our end as well as, you know, little things to make your app store listing great. So those are, those are, uh, kind of next steps for us. And, uh, it's exciting. Yeah. Um, a lot more users on a, on a weekly basis than ever before. Yeah. No, from what I've at least used of it, I thought it was really cool to be able to put together multiple different types of files all together in one place with pictures. Like you said, when I went to go visit Texas, so I went in there and I organized different places from Yelp that I wanted to go and eat at different pieces of itinerary, uh, different pictures, different contacts. And that was super helpful to be able to do that. And one of the things that you said that actually sounds real interesting. So that's why it's called bubble up because as you start making some of the, the content of the roles, then other information will bubble up that is relevant to help you. 
that yeah. actually sounds that's that uh i didn't actually know about that feature there that sounds pretty interesting and that i guess explains why it's called bubble up yeah the original idea was that um you know when when there's a lot of people out there that spend a lot of time doing important research and collecting knowledge on certain topics and a lot of that information is public but it's the research and time that goes into doing that that is hard so um, while everything in bubble up is completely private and you can use it like a file storage system, you know, you could, you could trust it like any other cloud storage system, um, or bookmarking system. Um, you know, what it does is takes that public content and says, okay, let's try to find other stuff like this for them based on how other people kind of organize these links. So. You know, the other, I guess this comes to mind, I'm really big on LinkedIn. And the one thing that's crazy on LinkedIn is that as you create more content, it becomes a ghost. <laughs> so one of the things is you start creating the content, you know, to be able to categorize and take your links and put them maybe in one place that you could reshare would be super, super important. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, having a resource like that where you could easily go and put that information in, really helpful. But there's probably other ways too um, as a creator to then be able to uh, be using, you know, something like that to where uh, your content may become, uh, it may, may bubble up also. I'm not sure exactly how that would work, but kind of like a Google search or you can, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's, you know, there's thousands of data points that you consider when you build an algorithm that tries to, to uh, uh, generate really good suggestions. So ours is no different. Uh, similar to, you know, like Google will never tell you the secret recipe, right? Um, but in general, yeah, we're trying to, you know, find new ways to help people find, um, you know, really helpful information on, on topical areas. And, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of apps that do a good job of this in different ways, right? Pinterest is great for doing that with images and YouTube is pretty darn good at doing that with videos. Um, but, but um, you know, for bubble up and, and a use case that a lot of people have with research, you know, what, regardless of what, how you define research, that is, um, that is something that, you know, it, it really, uh, it's, uh, different than going and typing in a search. It's, it's knowing that you've already found what you want and allowing it to find more like that. So, um, you know, it's, it's a different paradigm, but it's, it's interesting. And it really was kind of a, uh, one of a, the main uh, drivers behind the idea and obviously the name, but um, I think, you know, the name bubble up as well uh, can be, can be interpreted a lot of different ways, right? Part of this is I like to think of it as like, you know, I can have everything at my fingertips. I can bubble up anything. Right. And so we, we've had a lot of people do different interpretations of the name, but uh, there's definitely, definitely some deep rooted connection to the uh, suggestions. Awesome. Awesome. Real interesting. So I guess so from here, Justin, if somebody wants to connect with you, if again, they want more information on bubble up uh, or in general, they just want to connect to you, maybe talk, talk marketing, talk networking, or uh, you know, what would be the best way for people to follow you or connect with you? Yeah. Uh, I guess the best way to connect with me is connect on LinkedIn. Let me know that you saw, uh, know that you saw me here in your message. Um, at linkedin.com slash in slash Justin M. Johnson. Um, you can also follow me on Instagram at Justin Other Johnson um, or on Twitter at Justin M. Johnson. I believe uh, it's Justin M. Johnson. Um, 
Let me double check here. Yeah, Justin M. Johnson. Um, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll put links. We'll put links in the show notes. Cool. Yeah, I think LinkedIn is probably the best way to go. You can also uh, you can also just go to my website at thisjustinjohnson.com, and that will have a bunch of ways to connect with me, including an email form. Yeah, that, that sounds like the most memorable one, thisjustinjohnson.com. Thisjustinjohnson.com. That's, that's great. All right, Justin. Well, thank you so much for your time. This was real, uh, real enlightening, real interesting, and really engaging. So definitely appreciate it. And I'm sure that uh, at least one person times however many will get a lot out of this. Cool. All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> All right. Thanks, take Sarah. care. See you. Bye. This episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Mastery, where entrepreneurs go to network and learn how to attract their ideal clients via LinkedIn and broker powerful connections worldwide. Be sure to visit us at LinkedIn Mastery on Facebook. Be sure to replace the Y with three E's and join us at LinkedIn Mastery. Enjoy this sneak peek of the upcoming episode. And if you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe so you get first notification of all upcoming episodes. And if you really like us and you want to help more people hear us, be sure to write a review, a five-star review, and let everybody know how Errol helps entrepreneurs. I made a goal. My, my big goal was when I was... I wanted to be a millionaire by the time I was 30 and I made it, you know, halfway through my 30th birthday. Um, and I achieved that goal. Well, I also lost, you know, millions and I've gained millions and I've lost millions and I've gained millions, you know? So it's, it's better the third time around, um, comparatively, but what I tell these young entrepreneurs now is patience, man, like just patience. And because you First of all, you know this being an entrepreneur. Every business has a gray area. If you stay on the left side of the gray area and you stay small, you the business owns you forever, right? Like take a restaurant, you know, if you if that restaurant is is just this big and you just stay there, you're going to work it till you die. You know